Blog Talk Radio. All right, let's let's all stand like a red song book and turn to number eleven. Number eleven, love lifted me. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore. Very deeply staying within, thinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry. From the waters lifted me, now safe am I. Love lifted me, love lifted me. Oh, and nothing else could help. Love lifted me, love lifted me. Love lifted me, oh, and nothing else could help. Love lifted me. All my heart to Him I give, ever to Him I plead. In His blessed presence live, ever His praises sing. Love so mighty and so true, there is my golden song. Faithful, loving, servant to do him belong. Love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me, love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. Souls in danger look above, Jesus completely saved. He will lift you by his love out of the angry wave. He's the master of the sea, he his will obey. He, your Savior, wants to be me saved today. Love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me, love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. Amen. Good to see you in church this morning. Happy Independence Day. Amen. If you shoot fireworks today, be careful. Amen. I don't think nobody in here probably going to shoot a firework, I bet. I didn't shoot that. Are they? Well, we, we watched a bunch of them go up last night. But I, I tell you what, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for the blood that was shed for our freedom. Very thankful for that. And I'm thankful for those who still believe in it. And are willing, or would be willing to do it again if necessary. But I'm so thankful for the blood that was shed for my sins. I'm so thankful for the for the the independence from sin that that Christ bought us. Amen. We have independence from from the old flesh, which we were just talking about in Sunday school. But I tell you what, I may be. I, we may have independence here in this country, and I may be an independent Baptist, but I am very dependent on God. Amen. And I'm thankful for him today, thankful for my Savior and what I have in him. Uh, any prayer requests this morning that we need to make mention of before we get started? Yes, Leo. Yes, I, I'd kind of like to remember the, uh, the veterans of PTSD. <laughs> yes, sir. That, uh, they're able to handle the clothes right. Amen. That's right. And all the memories. Yes, sir. Amen. Yes, Tammy. Goodness gracious. All right. Others? Miss Charlotte? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. 
I'm going to lift Grant up in prayer this morning. Pray for his healing. Pray for God to give him good days. Um, others, my, my aunt, Mary Ruth, we just want to say praise the Lord. God, God answered some prayers there. And uh, she's, uh, doctors have released her to be a caregiver to her daughter again. So hopefully that she's going to have the strength for it. We don't know how, but, but hopefully they can get back to a sense of some kind of normalcy they had before. So please pray that that, that all works out. Um, there's a young man that, that I, I'm, it's a friend of a friend of mine, and I want to mention him. I think his name is Elijah Robinson. I don't know if, if is that, was that his name? You, you saw the, I think that was his name. But uh, he, he went in, uh, he'd been having headaches and all kinds of stuff and some seizures, and, and uh, they went in, they found uh, it was a tumor that was pushing his brain to one side, and uh, they thought it was benign. They went in there and they took it out, and after they took it out, they said it's, it's definitely not benign, and they don't even know what kind it is. So please pray for him. He's a young man. He's in his 20s, I think, over, I think, in the Paris area. Um, anybody else? Anything else? Well, once we've mentioned it and once we've prayed about it, then something can be done. Nothing can be done until we pray. Uh, Dr. Rice used to say, all your all your failures are prayer failures. Yes. We need to pray for Dan, too. I know he didn't mention himself, but we did. We need to pray for both of them. Pray for Dan's blood get, to get back to normal and pray for her to get back to normal. Um, anything else before we pray? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Robert, lead us in prayer. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you. 
took away my sin. I have had the sunlight of his love within. Amen. Praise the Lord. Told us that. 
without me, you can do nothing. And he said, he said, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going, if I go, I'm going to send another comforter. And when he said another, it means just like me. Okay? So without him, you can do nothing. Without the Spirit of God, you can do nothing. And yet we've been, we've been kind of frightened away from, from digging into what it means to be filled with the Spirit of God I think because, and I'm not saying, I can't speak for every preacher who's ever stood in this pulpit. I don't know what you've been preached. I don't know who's preached on what. I don't know. All I can do is speculate because I know that a lot of Baptists, when you start talking about the Holy Ghost of God, they get a little nervous. You know, preacher, I don't know about all that. Well, if you don't know about all that, you're missing out. And so I want to, I want to just yank the curtain back like they did in the Wizard of Oz, I want to show you that there ain't nothing spooky back there. Amen? This is God, the same God you've always known, operating in a little different manner, but the same God, same power, nothing nothing strange, nothing's changed. But before we get into our text this morning, I want to read, I want to read two passages of Scripture, and then we'll pray and we'll get started. I want you to look in Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, very quickly. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. So, again, it's not about when I'm coming back right now. It's about you getting busy while I'm gone. That's what he's trying to emphasize to them. Not about when I'm returning. It's about where you're headed and where you're, what you're going to be doing. One other verse, and I'm going to read that and then we'll pray. And you just put this one in your pocket for it in the middle of the sermon. 1 Corinthians one twenty two, which says this, For the Jews require a sign. For the Jews require a sign. But the Greeks speak after wisdom. I'm no Jew. You're not a Jew. We are what would be categorized as Greeks here. So let's, let's go on with that knowledge. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, I thank you so much for your love. I thank you, Father, for your word. I thank you for the truth. I thank you for Jesus. Thank you for salvation through his precious blood. And I thank you for the indwelling of your spirit. I thank you, Lord, that you use us. Lord, not in our power, but in your power. Not in our strength, but in your strength. Lord, I lay myself down before you, and I ask you to fill me with that strength. Fill me with that power. Use me as your instrument this morning. Lord, I'm yours. Take me in your hand. Do with me what you will. Fill me up and pour me out for your glory. Lord, I'll give you all the praise and the glory for it. And I pray for each one listening this morning, whether they be seated in this auditorium with us or whether they're out somewhere listening uh, in their home, and their vehicle, maybe not even today, but another time. Well, Father, I pray the Holy Ghost of God work through this message. And Lord, encourage believers to live for Christ and to glorify him. Father, I pray you bless now the message, bless the messenger, bless the hearer. In Jesus' name we pray, and we'll give you all the glory. Amen. All right, Acts chapter 2 this morning, verse 1 through 21. We're not going to, it's not going to take that long, even though there's 21 verses there. I say that, I hope it doesn't. We're not going to read that passage and then come back and read it. We're just going to go through it this morning. We're going to do a study through it, and we're going to learn what's there and what's not there. Number verse 1, he said, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. I want you to notice as we go through here that word all and the word every. It's very much in this, all the way through. All and every. But when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Again, I want to address, first of all, the day of Pentecost. To everybody else besides these, these 120 plus the disciples, to everybody else, the day of Pentecost was just a celebration. They weren't expecting anything but what they had been doing. 
It was a celebration that occurred 50 days after the Feast of the First Fruits. And it had happened like clockwork, folks, for the past 1,400 years without incident. 1,400 years had just been happening. It was something they came. They moved. They, they, they came to Jerusalem. They, they, had celebrated, they celebrated the Passover, and they stayed for Pentecost. I mean, it was a big thing. It happened every year. The pilgrimage to Jerusalem. It had been going on for 1,400 years. And that's about a time it kind of becomes a usual thing, ordinary. Now, I want you to understand something. It may have been just an ordinary, usual event to them, but in God's eyes, it was the fullness of time that had come for him to do something big. It was all about God's timing on that day and not man's timing. It's what I want you to understand. Please stay with me and hear this. You will need this in your life. <clears throat> Again, it's all about God, not about man. I want you to understand something. The Holy Ghost of God came that day. He showed up that day. He showed up in power. But what I want you to understand is that the Lord's disciples, the Lord's followers, did not pray the Holy Ghost down. Nowhere did God say, you go and you pray the Holy Ghost of God down. Nope. They weren't praying for the Holy Ghost of God to, to come down to them. They were praying to be endued with power. That was their prayer. God, fill us with power. They were doing as they were told. They were being obedient followers of the Lord, and they were praying. And the Bible said they were all with one accord. Now, we learned that last week. That means they were in harmony. By the way, I can show you, but I won't show you. I, I can play you a G chord. I know it's in tune because I, first, I tuned it before I started. But if I take that G chord and I take that, that D string and I turn it down to about G flat, it's going to sound horrible. And if I take that B string and turn it up to D and then I play the G chord, you know what everybody in here will feel? Tension. Because everybody in here will recognize that ain't in tune. And it is unsettling when you hear somebody play an instrument that's out of tune. Y'all ever heard somebody play something that was out of tune? It, it unnerves you because you're like, Somebody needs to tune that thing. But when it's in tune, it's nothing. It's harmony. It's sweet. Everybody can, can listen and enjoy. But when things are not in tune, it causes tension. And that's why some churches you walk into and you immediately feel the tension when you walk in instead of peace and harmony. But in this church, when they, when they walked in amongst these believers, there was no disharmony. There was no tension. And what did they find? They found harmony. People were... There with one purpose. We need God's power in our lives. We need God's power to be a witness for Christ as he commanded us. See, they were serious about following God's commands. They were serious about obeying what Christ had said. So they were there exactly where he said, doing exactly what he said, all of them together with one heart, one mind, one love, and one prayer. Verse 2. And suddenly, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. There's that word all again. There wasn't a corner left out. Now, let me just say this first of all. Three miracles happened on that day. Three miracles happened on the day of Pentecost. There was a sound of a rushing mighty wind, there were cloven tongues like as a fire, and there was the miracle of tongues that occurred that day. Now, can I say this to you? Those miracles were not promised. Nowhere in the Bible did God say, when you hear the sound of a rushing mighty wind, when you see the cloven tongues of fire, speak with other tongues, then you'll know it. No, God didn't tell them all that was going to happen. So they weren't praying for the rushing mighty wind. They weren't praying for the cloven tongues of fire. And they weren't praying for the miracle of outpouring of the gift of tongues. They weren't praying for any of those things. Those things were not promised to them. It's not what they were praying for. And it's not what they were waiting for. And by the way, those miracles were not repeated. 
Other times in the Bible where believers were filled with the Holy Spirit, they were not repeated. They were incidental to the time and place. I mean, if we wanted to do like I have seen Pentecostals and Charismatics do, we should take the Bible where the friends let down their friend and the sheep through the roof. If you're going to have a healing service, we've got to tear a hole in the roof and let them down that way. We're going to be like that. You see what I'm saying? That's just the way it happened that day for the friends to let him down because of the circumstances. God did this the way because of the circumstances. He didn't have to, but he did it that way. Now, let's talk about that. What happened when they began to hear that sound? It says the sound of a rushing, mighty wind. I think about how it is when when a big, huge thunderstorm rolls in. And you can see them clouds lowering and kind of curling into themselves, and, and it gets closer and closer and closer, and all of a sudden the wind picks up. I got a hammock on my back porch, and that thing just goes crazy in the wind. I mean, it just goes, it's like it's going to tear something up. I mean, when that wind blows and the trees lean over sideways, and you say, whoo, what in the world? You go looking around, what's going on? What, is it a tornado? When you hear that wind whipping so hard, you can hear it inside the house. That's a rushing mighty wind. You ever heard a tornado? Sounds like a train, doesn't it? That's a rushing mighty wind. Now, did it sound like a tornado in the house that day? I don't know. I wasn't there. I've never been in a meeting where I heard a sound of a rushing mighty wind. I can tell you I used to work with two Pentecostal boys in a furniture store who swore up and down the one time in their church service they heard a sound of a rushing mighty wind. And I just kind of chuckled to myself. I thought, no, you didn't. Not unless they played it over the sound system. Again, why did God send the sound of a rushing mighty wind? I think it was one plain reason. To let them know something is happening. Amen? Did it say their hair blew back and their clothes were flapping and everything and they were thrown all over the room? No, it didn't say it was a wind. It said it sounded like it. The Jews require what? A sign. Were those men all in that room Jews? All those believers Jews? Yeah. They required a sign. God sent them the sign of this wind blowing. Was that wind supposed to signify something? Yes, he's here. He's here. Verse 3. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. Notice it said there appeared. Now, I know that means it showed up, but here's something else it means. It looked like. It appeared to me like a fire. What showed up above John's head looked like a fire. Doesn't that make sense? That's what it looked like. doesn't say his head was on fire. It just said it looked like fire. Now, it appeared under them cloven tongues. Look at the word cloven. Something that has a cloven hoof, what does that mean? It means it's split or divided. Is that not what that means? Cloven means divided. So I can tell you for right now, I do not have a cloven tongue. I speak English. I don't even speak it that well. Y'all know that. Y'all have listened to me for almost two years. I'm pretty I'm pretty ragged with my English. I sure don't speak no other language. So I'm a single tongue preacher. But if I could preach in English and at the same time whip around here and start preaching in French, you say, well, we've got a cloven tongue preacher. He's preaching, he can preach in two different languages. I believe exactly, exactly why those fires set upon them was to show them there's something happened here. And, and, and understand, these are simple men. These are not educated men. These men have not been to seminary. These men have not been to foreign language school. These men have not been out of their own country. These men are from a rural location. It's kind of like you went out here to Dimple and found four good old boys and said, hey, let's all get y'all together. Or uh, 12 good old boys said, hey, 
This is the kind of crowd we're looking at. I mean, these are country boys. And these country boys didn't speak nothing but Koine Greek that morning. That's country. Koine Greek is common folk, down-to-earth, simple folk, country talk. As simple as it gets. But on this day, all of a sudden, one of them speaks Koine Greek, but he also, all of a sudden, now he can speak Egyptian. And another one over there, he, he, he speaks his normal language of Koine Greek, but now he can speak Latin. And another one, he can speak an African language. And another one can speak a Greek language. But all of a sudden, they're able to do that where they had not been able to do that uh, before. And the Bible said what they saw above them was like it was on fire. But I want you to notice it didn't just land on the building. A woven tongue of fire up over the top of the roof. No, because the power is in the believer, not in the church house. The power is not in this building. We leave here. This fire, this is just a building. We are the church. We are the we are the ones that God uses, not the building. And it sat on each of them as individuals because each individual is used of God individually. We're used as a church body, but we're individually used of God as believers. So this fire set upon each of them to let each of them know, yes, God is going to use you and you and you and you and you. Now, look at, look at verse 4. And they were all filled. That means all of them. Not one was left out. They were a unified bunch who were all seeking the same thing, and God was used all of them, not just one or two. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So they were waiting to be filled. Why were they waiting to be filled? Again, let's remember why they're waiting to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Y'all remember? Jesus told them that they would be endued with power from on high and that they would be witnesses unto him. They had been in hiding because he had been crucified, and they knew that they had a target on their back. They were in hiding. They were fearful. But now Jesus has taught them for 40 days. They've waited in prayer for 10 days. The Spirit of God comes down and fills them, and now they have empower, they've been empowered to speak with boldness. They were waiting for the power of God to witness. When he was with them, and they were walking throughout Israel, and they were going here, there, and yonder, they were preaching and boldly witnessing then. They had no problem. Why? Because Jesus was walking right there with them. Now he's drawn away, and his spirit, the spirit of God, has come, and now he's with them again. And now they're able to go out and preach and give witness to Jesus Christ. All right, now notice, they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Uh, let me explain. They no mention of any kind of unknown jibber-jabber here. Not a bit. And that's kind of odd because, again, I, I'm not going to ask the grind against the Pentecostal this morning, but I know what their church teaches. I've sat and listened to it. I have heard their preachers. I know what they believe and what they preach. And again, I'm not angry with them. I wish they would understand the truth. But the Bible said they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The Spirit gave them utterance as they witnessed. The Spirit of God did not give them utterance for self-satisfaction. Now, you, you, tell, you riddle me this, Batman. What do they, who are they witnessing to down at an altar when they're flopping around like somebody's pulled fish out of water and throwing them on the creek bank? Who are they witnessing to when they're jibber-jabbering in language that nobody can understand in an altar and people are around and going, let her loose, let her loose, let her loose? Who are they witnessing of Christ? I dare say nobody, because ain't nobody understood what they said. Even sister so-and-so who jumped back up on the fifth row and started trying to tell everybody what they said. She don't know either. I'll get to that at a later time. 
but Dr. Rice used to say he took the women out of the tongues movement and die overnight. That's Dr. Rice. But anyway, but the Spirit gave them utterance as they witnessed. Well, you had to have prospects to witness to, right? If you're going to be a witness, you got to find some prospects, right? God just happened to arrange all this perfectly. Amen? It's amazing how God works. Verse 5, And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. Amazing how God arranged all that on that day, isn't it? Just kind of like he had that planned. Amazing coincidence all those Jews just happened to be in Jerusalem when God sends the Holy Ghost. And you know something else I find interesting? These men were humbly seeking God. You know why? It's just devout men. That means they were faithful to the light that God that they had been given about God up to that point. They were faithful to what they understood up to that point. They hadn't understood about Jesus Christ yet, but they were faithful in trying to follow the religion of the Jews because they wanted to know God. They had a heart to know God. Now, something you need to understand. There has been a scene change. The Bible doesn't say, parentheses, scene change, but there has been a scene change there because we're no longer in the upper room. We're no longer where they were praying because somewhere in between verse verse 4 and verse 6, they have left that upper room. It doesn't tell you that, but they have gone down to where the people are. That's the only way this could have happened is if they left the upper room and there wasn't no ongoing all-night charismatic prayer meeting. No, they went and got busy for God. They didn't wait around. They didn't uh, uh, glory in the afterglow or whatever they call it. they, They went down and got busy because that's what they were waiting on. It wasn't an experience so they could say, ooh, look how spiritual I am. Ooh, so and so's got it. Ooh, look at them, they got it. Take a lap, sister, you got it. No, none of that. They went to work. They went to work. Verse 6. Now, when this was noised abroad, what was noised abroad? They hear them in the upper room? Boy, there's a bunch of people speaking a bunch of languages up there. No, that ain't what happened. They walked down the steps. They walked down to where the people were. They left the church house, if you want to call it that, and they went out to where the people were, where lost people were. There weren't lost people in the church house. They didn't need the witness. People out in the streets, in the temple, in the ta- out in the outer court of the temple, all those people needed the witness, not those who were saved. So when this was noised abroad, here's the headline. Locals are telling us the good news in our native tongue. That's what was happening. Because get this, and again, this is so simple to see. When this was noised abroad, the multitude came together. That's people from everywhere. Out of every nation under heaven. All of these people, half of them couldn't, I mean, I say half of them, many of them couldn't speak each other's language. You'll find that today if you go to Jerusalem. There are people in that, Brother Momney was talking about that. There's people from everywhere go to Jerusalem. They were from every nation under heaven. And when this was noise abroad, that multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. Notice that word every. Every man that was there heard them speak in his own language. So there were people who heard it in this language, there were people here heard it in a different language. So there was a lot of different things going on. There were there were over 120 disciples. I don't think they all spoke the same or all speaking the same foreign language, but they were all speaking a foreign language that was not their native tongue. So it was an unknown tongue to them at that time. And the Bible said in verse 7, and they, and they were all amazed and marveled. These Jews who had gathered in Jerusalem were all amazed. And they marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? These these dumb fishermen amaze the crowd. Simple fellas. Simple simple guys. 
Ain't never been out. Ain't never been away from home much until the last three years, and they're amazing. Everybody. I mean, I'm sure some people said, "Ain't they from right up the road?" These guys. What has happened? Something's going on. Doesn't make sense. We can't. We can't wrap our heads around what's happening. And here's what they said in verse seven. They said, "And how hear we every man." In our own tongue, wherein we were born. There was no mystical language spoke on the day of Pentecost. There was no spooky something that happened, other than the fact that somebody who didn't know my language is now speaking my language to me. And they're not trying to impress me with my language, they're trying to share with me in my language how to be saved. question they were all asking how are they speaking in our language and they named the languages Parthians Medes Elamites and the dwellers in Mesopotamia and in Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia Phrygia Pamphylia in Egypt and in parts of Lydia about Cyrene and strangers of Rome, Jews, and proselytes, Cretes, and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. How many preachers you think there are lying to people? There's a lot of them. There's a lot of people who just, who, what I just read, they take that and twist that to be something that ain't. And I don't understand how because it's right there in the words. It's right there in your Bible. It's as plain as a nose on your face. They blow up the thing to be something that it's not. And the Bible said, and they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, what meaneth this? Well, they questioned it. They said, oh, well, we ain't never seen nothing like this before. We ain't never heard nothing like this before. I mean, it's like smoke was coming out of their ears, you know. They, they, they broke their brain. they like, how does... We don't even understand. This this blew our mind. How are they? How are these fishermen doing this? We don't understand. And others were mocking. And they said, these men are full of new wine. These guys are drunk. They're drunk. I got to thinking about that. And I got to thinking, how would I feel about that? How would I feel about that if Robert back here, whose church was over, he starts speaking in Swahili? I mean, just going on and on and on in Swahili, and I don't know a lick of Swahili. It sounds like to me Robert had lost his mind, or he got drunk or something. I don't know what's happened to Robert because he's back here talking. He don't even hear anything that I can understand. I'll never forget this. <clears throat> I worked at a furniture store in Magnolia, Arkansas, after I left Bible college and moved back home to Arkansas, uh, furniture land, uh, worked for the land family, and they were good friends with the missionary. I've mentioned many times Brother Richard Miller, the one I was telling you had cancer and got healed in his face. <clears throat> and he's a missionary to Fiji and Papua New Guinea. He has been since the 70s, and they, they uh, him and his first wife went over there, and she was killed on the mission field in a car wreck, and then he remarried, and he's been back over there. His health got him down right now, but, you know, he worked in the jungles. He 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 had lots of encounters with cannibals and all kinds of things like that. I mean, it was crazy experience. Well, he was over there visiting with them, and it was the middle of the day. There wasn't a soul in the store but me and the two Pentecostal boys that worked in the back, and Mr. and Mrs. Land and Brother Richard Miller. And this is an old Walmart, so it's huge. Brother Richard was telling Mr. and Mrs. Land about the experience he had over there coming through the jungle, and them cannibals got after him. He said, you could hit I mean, it's quiet. It's quiet in that, in that, in that big store. And I'm standing there with them, and them two Pentecostal boys are just around the corner and through double doors. Brother Richard's telling that story about those headhunters. He said, Oh, that man let out a yell. You know, he let out a big holler. About 10 seconds. 
Pentecostal boys come around the corner. <laughs> they looked like a tree full of owls. Their eyes as big as silver dollars. I guess they thought they was missing a big meeting in the other room. I don't know. <laughs> you know, to somebody who, I mean, if you don't know, that it sounds crazy. Amen. You hear somebody speak that you ain't never heard speaking a language like that. I mean, I, I can understand. They didn't get it. They couldn't figure it out. God had to show them. They had to hear the message of Christ. Verse 14, but Peter, standing up with the eleven lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Galilee and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. Now this is a man who had denied Jesus for fear a little while ago, under two months ago. Now he stands up with boldness in the power of the Holy Ghost and proclaims God's word. He didn't just all of a sudden along the way think, Huh, you know, I ain't, I ain't that scared. I can be tougher than that. No, this is God, the Holy Ghost, poured out in his life, filling his being and giving him a boldness that he does not have and cannot get from human means. Verse 15, For these are not drunken, as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. It's just 9 o'clock in the morning. I don't think they'd have been drunk later in the day either, but he's trying to make a point. He said, for this, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. This is the fulfillment of Scripture, fellas. And it shall come to pass in the last days. And by the way, let's mark her down right there. We are living in the last days. The last days was happening right then, you see. Last days started way back then. Saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaids I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. That word prophesy does not mean they shall pastor a church. A woman is not to pastor a church. A woman, the Bible says, is not to usurp the authority over the man. And in teaching and leading the church, she'd do that. That's not what God, God is not ordaining women preachers here. What is it to prophesy? To prophesy means to speak in the power of the Holy Spirit, to, the power to witness for Christ. Anybody can do that. You don't have to have a pulpit to witness for Christ. All you need is a person to hear. And everybody can witness for Christ. Men can witness for Christ. Women can witness for Christ. Boys can witness for Christ. Girls can witness for Christ. If you have Christ living in you, if the Spirit of God live in you, you can witness for Christ. Verse 19, And I will show wonders in the heaven above, and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire, vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, and the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord come. Again, he's addressing the second coming. He's saying, you know, I'm coming. The Lord's coming back. But he said before that happens, there's going to be a time where I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And we're living in that time right now. God has promised that. We don't need a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind this morning. We don't need this morning cloven tongues like as a fire to set upon us. And we don't need a miracle of tongues. I can tell you just about everybody in Clarksville, Texas speaks English. And the ones that don't need, need somebody with Spanish in there as their language to talk to them. But most everybody in this town speaks English. We don't have that problem. We don't need that miracle. But what we do need is we need an endowment with power so that we have get some boldness about us, so that we see the need for them to be saved like these apostles and these, these followers saw the need for them to be saved. And we ought to have a, a desire that burns in our bosom to see our friends and neighbors and relatives saved. Then it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Why was the Holy Ghost of God poured out on the day of Pentecost? To give them boldness to witness for Christ. Why is he still given today? 
to give us boldness to be a witness for Christ. That is the, the, the specific purpose of the Holy Ghost of God, to empower us to know Christ and to share Christ. And I say to you today, if we want what God has promised, church as individuals, we must go to God, asking God to forgive us of what of the things in our life that are displeasing to him. We need to spend some time in prayer asking him to show us what, what else may be in the way, what else may be hindering us. If we've got unforgiveness towards somebody else, if, if we've got some sin that's lingering in our life that's holding us back and keeping God from being able to use us, we need to go to him and search and, and say, God, search me and show me. God, I want to be. I want what those disciples had. I want the power that those apostles had. I want that power to be a witness for Jesus. I want my life to count. I want it to matter. Lord, I want you to have your hand on me. I want the power that was promised to believers, and this was promised to all believers. So I say to you this morning, on a day when they're going to shoot fireworks up and they're going to light up and everybody's going ooh and ah. I'm going to tell you, you want to get some fireworks in your life? You ask God for the power to be a witness for him. You want to see fireworks? You start witnessing and sharing Jesus around. And you see people get saved. It'll light up your life better than the 4th of July. I'm going to tell you right now. There is no, there's no blessing on earth that I know of greater than seeing a soul trust Christ right in front of me. No greater blessing that I know of. Why would we ever let anybody keep us from that? Why wouldn't we grab with both hands what God has before us? I urge you this morning, search your own life. Ask yourself, Lord, why don't I have power in my life? Lord, why am I not being a a greater witness for you? Lord, Lord, why, why don't I have victory? You know, if you come to him today, God wants to give you that victory. God wants to pour that power out in your life. God, God, wants, God wants you to make something out of this life for him so that when, when you someday stand before him, you'll have something to lay at his feet. Let's stand together. We're going to sing a song of invitation this morning. What song did I pick out? I don't remember. 17. Number 17.
have thine own way. Hold over my feet, absolute sway. Fill with thy spirit, till all shall see Christ only always living. 